Shuffle, everyone. Good to see you. I hope you can hear me. Um, now you can hear me. <laughs> so welcome to our preacher, Colleen McCarthy, and welcome to our special guests, Stephen Watson and Vincent Nguyen. Uh, they are our new seminaries, our Catholic seminaries, who are, will be with us and doing their service and field work, coordinating mass every Thursday night at 6 p.m. here at the Samuelson Chapel. So welcome. I'm sure we're going to enjoy you, and I know you're going to enjoy us as well. Very modest. <laughs> Today is our last session of Hands and Feet. And before we leave the session and move to our next theme, I want to leave you with some mindfulness. So close your eyes. Breathe. Imagine yourself standing in the presence of God. Imagine yourself next to the burning bush. And then you hear God talking to you and saying, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is a holy ground. Imagine your holy ground. Now imagine yourself at the footstep of your door, of your home, and hear God saying these words to you. The place that you are standing is a holy ground. Your home is a holy ground. Breathe. Take off your sandals before you come to work. This place is a holy ground too. Have this mindfulness of God's with you telling you, I am here, wherever you are. This is a holy ground. I want to share with you and invite you to a verse for contemplation. The verse is from Proverbs 4. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Where is it playing in your life? 
Holy and magnificent God, your mercy is endless, your reign is forever. Bless us now as we gather with hands and feet, purpose and will, compassion and clarity. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, we recognize the familiar attitudes and practices that do not serve the whole. We are who we are, but by your grace, we have the opportunity to be who you want us to be, creating a new narrative and anchored in you. May our thoughts, words, and actions assist in dismantling paradigms of oppression and suffering. May we give thanks to the wise teachers who help us remember how to be and the chance to make it so. May we give you thanks daily for hands and feet, agents of service and care. Today we have uh, two sacred texts, from, first from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all of the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats to the left. Then the king will say to all those on the right hand, Come, you are the blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. And the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food? Or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you? Or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Our second reading is from Psalm 22, verses 19 through 28. But you, O Lord, do not be far away. O my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. From the horns of the wild oxen you have rescued me. I will tell of your name to my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from me, but heard when I cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will pay before those who fear him. The poor shall eat 
and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship him before him, for dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. all of you. When I first saw the theme, I was really excited. Wow, feet and hands. That is a topic someone my age can talk about for hours. But then I realized you probably didn't come here to hear a Colleen McCarthy personal organ recital, so you're stuck with what I'm going to say. I was a teenager and young adult in the 60s and 70s, and I guess I didn't do enough drugs in those times because I do remember the social revolution of those eras. I loved watching my role and the role of every American change before my very eyes. I no longer had to follow the advice of those well-meaning Lutheran ladies who told me to get my Mrs. degree after college. I could date and have boyfriends and didn't have to follow the 50s version of women, women in the kitchen, in heels and crinolines, a casserole in one hand, and a martini for my hardworking husband in the other. I could have a career. And my friends and lovers didn't have to look like me or be like me. They could be from different cultures, different religions, different races. I, I believed the lines of the 60s and 70s. I believed in love that you could be anything that you wanted to be. I believed that as the world changed for the better, that everyone wanted to sing in perfect harmony. And boy, was I wrong. Until the last few years, the Christian, the hippie in me, still hoped that everyone wanted the best for everyone else. But really, how can you look at the changes in America over the last few years? How can you look at that without realizing that all the things we marched for and voted for, rather than being put to rest, had just gone underground and festered? Now, incivility is being championed by many in power to the point that it's an open wound on our national and worldwide body. And sadly, I see no end in sight. One of my HR missions in my 35 plus years in HR, not just here at CLU, but everywhere, was to ensure respectful and accountable relationships among all employees. To that end, I really loved teaching courses about emotional intelligence. One of the keys to emotional intelligence is um, empathy. I waxed poetic about it, as you can imagine, for years, quoting the own lines about walking someone's footprints, shoes, moccasins. And I researched and found lots and lots of quotes about it. Use, I also used them in every empathy training I did. But when I tried to Google, thank God for Google, yes, for Bible verses about walking in someone's shoes, I found nothing found lots and lots of references to feet 
even old age swollen feet, and shoes and a cool Steve Bannon warning thing in Matthew 6 about wearing sandals but not an extra shirt, but I found nothing about walking in another's shoes. And after some thought, here's the reason why, I think. Almost three years ago, in, in addition to my fur babies, Finbar and Seamus, I somehow ended up with a bonus daughter. Maria is a kind, sweet, thoughtful, amazing full-time student at Moore Park Community College. She's carrying a full load with a double major in criminal justice and child development. She continues to have a fabulous grade point average, is always on the, dean list, is always on the dean's list. This year, she was disappointed that she didn't get her usual 4.3. She also works full-time as a waitress at two restaurants, sometimes leaving the house at 7 a.m. and returning home after a full day of school and work at 1.30 in the morning. She does all that so that she can fulfill her dream of being a policewoman and then ultimately becoming a member of the FBI, specializing in crimes against children. But Maria's dreams may not come true because she's a dreamer, brought into the country by her teenage mother at the age of one. Today at 24, she has endured a life I would not wish on many. She has been forced to pay rent since the age of 12, was physically battered and threatened by her parents up until the time at 21 when she moved into my home. There's so much more, but it would take more than this homily to tell you about her childhood. And there's that country of origin thing. People she serves in her restaurants treat her in ways that I cannot imagine because they see her light brown skin. By focusing on her skin color, they miss her radiant smile, the caring twinkle in her eye, the kind heart she wears on her sleeve. We both worry every day about her future because of the way she was brought into the country, because we never know what can happen and when the next political shoe will drop. We strictly follow what her lawyer tells us we can and cannot do. Don't answer the door if you don't know the person. Renew your very expensive paperwork annually that allows you to study and work in America as soon as you possibly can because the opportunity to do so may disappear. Don't go into certain parts of town where they have checkpoints. Drive carefully, a fender bender over more than $1,000 is a felony and can cause you to be deported. Stay watchful because even though you believed the government when they said you'd be safe if you came out of the shadows, they pulled that plug. So now every day is special because we don't know what will happen next. Walk a mile in her shoes. Do I walk in her shoes? I can't. I wasn't born in Mexico and spirited across the border as an infant by a teenage mother. I was born and raised in, yeah, lower middle class North Hollywood and later slightly classier Saratoga in Northern California. But I had parents who always expected to take care of me, even when life wasn't always easy for them or me. I always had enough food and I always had clothes, excuse me, even though they were my sister's hand-me-downs, which is why I don't shop at thrift stores anymore. Thank you very much. I had unhappy but necessary doctor and dental visits. I never paid rent or really paid for anything until I went to college, thanks to being the, the baby of the family, 
and having an indulgent father who loved me as I loved him. We had great family vacations and great memories to last throughout all of our lives. My parents never beat me, abused me, called me the devil, and held exorcisms where they burned everything I'd ever given the family in front of younger siblings after I moved out. Walk in her shoes. But I can walk with her. I can say I care. I can tell Maria I care about her dreams, her potential, her life. Some armchair psychologists in my family say I'm creating a codependent relationship by giving her a place to live, food to eat, occasional advice, occasional loans. They say that giving her shelter when there was none before and giving her a bit of space to breathe for a while is creating just a dysfunctional world for her and for me. And my degree was in music, not psychology, but I, I'm sorry, I think that's garbage. According to John 3, 17, 18, whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or tongue, but in deed and truth. I can walk beside Maria. I can share the good times and the scary. I can share my home, my food, my kitties, my resources. And for now, as we continue to walk together, making both of our loads easier, bonus mom and bonus daughter, People tell me I'm creating a codependent, dysfunctional relationship. That's okay by me. Hands. Um, this was harder for me. When I think about hands from a faith standpoint, lots of visuals come to mind, mostly about hands in prayer. For example, the praying hands framed in churches and homes, the picture of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, with his hands prayed, hands together, eyes up to, to, to the Lord, praying to be delivered from his future, his hands and face in prayer to the heavens. I also think of 50s magazine covers. I am that old. Families praying over a meal, a cherubic child kneeling at his bedside, one side of his onesie undone, his little head bowed over I actually have a lovely uh, sterling silver charm bracelet given to me by my parents at confirmation. The charm they gave me is so the silhouetted praying hands on one side and on the other. Just in case I forgot, it says, I am a Lutheran. <laughs> so if I'm lost and I'm wearing that bracelet, I'm going, oh, good, they'll, they'll find me somewhere. I grew up knowing the prayers of my faith, and I can still recite and sometimes even sing them on call. But in the last few years, um, I've had time on my hands to think and watch cable news full of disasters. And it's made me think more deeply about my faith. As a former public school teacher, one issue that has really horrified me is the ongoing massacre of children in schools by mostly angry young white men with assault rifles. And then the political response of we're keeping the victims and their families in our thoughts and prayers, followed up with 
seems so hollow and heinous to me. And in truth, I've said these same words for years. If someone has had a crisis or an issue in their life, my sincere response was always, I'll keep you in my thoughts and prayers. And until recently, I truly thought that I did. But maybe after too much time on my hands and too much contemplation, I've come to accept that I've sort of lied when I said those words because I realized I don't really pray to God on my own. Yes, I keep you in my thoughts, hoping you'll find the health or peace that you're looking for, and I think of you often. But I don't say, God, help my friend find healing. I don't ask God to intervene for you or for me. So to those of you to whom I've said that, I do sincerely apologize. I have been thinking of you, and I have thought of you often, but I have not raised your name to God. Realize now that I haven't prayed since my tween years, I prayed a lot then for delivery from someone who took advantage of my family's generosity and nearly destroyed my life. I prayed to the God I learned about at American Lutheran School and Church, the God of mercy, the God of love who cares about stars and moons, sparrows and lilies of the field, and of course, little children. I believed and hoped I'd be found out, rescued, and saved. But I wasn't saved. My prayers were answered. I was not delivered from years of ongoing pain and humiliation at the hands of a child predator. Now I know that I'm not the only child who was victimized. I sadly know that as long as there is life, the abuse of children will continue to happen. Some will say and have said to me, it's all part of God's plan. But I'm sorry, I just don't believe that young children, the elderly, the differently able being victimized. It's not the God I hope for or believe in. My God is a God who, regardless of whether I pray or not, surrounds me with endless grace and love so that I can try to make the best decisions for my life and the lives of others. I also believe that despite God's grace everywhere, that evil people do evil. I didn't believe that. If I, built, if I believed that everything was in God's plan, I would not continue to be a Christian. Because that's not a God that I can love. So after all these years, unless my extremely colorful language behind the wheel, begging God to smite stupid drivers can be considered prayer. <laughs> I don't pray privately. <laughs> But funny enough, for some reason, I have hope for group collective prayer. Perhaps it's my former life as a musician, where as a singer and a choral director, I was part of Voices Raised in Praise. Voices Raising Praise that could change lives. To this day, the beauty of people singing from their hearts create heaven on earth, both for those who sing and for those who listen. Collective praise. In the same way, perhaps it's the community of faith people who pray together to bring solutions to bear on life's issues that make me feel that some prayers can be heard. I 
often feel close to God after common prayer in a church service, around a meal shared with friends. Not my family, they're all atheists, but friends who are family. I feel group prayer is a part of the common bond that binds us all together. But as I continue to struggle with my relationship to God and prayer, there's one prayer story that I've really been thinking about. When I worked for the owner of the San Jose Sharks, I became pretty well acquainted with one of his friends, a, 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 a fellow board member from the Cleveland Museum of Art. Her youngest daughter was about to be married, and I was asked to do some research for fun things for the newlyweds to do while they were in Tahoe on a winter honeymoon. Fortunately, into the skiing honeymoon, her daughter hit a tree, was rushed to the Reno she was in a coma and on life. Shortly afterwards, her mother put out a request to everybody that she knew. She asked to please every day at 4.15, every day at 4.15, think about her daughter. She asked that if you had a prayer tradition to please pray for her at that time. If you didn't pray, please think of her. Doctors were amazed because every day for the month she lived, between 4 and 4.30 in the afternoon, her daughter's life changed. Her pulse quickened, fingers and eyes twitched, her heartbeat grew stronger, her brain activity pretty dormant. I believe it's because God heard the collective thoughts and prayers all sincerely offered, and in that time, I will continue to consider the presence of prayer in my life. And I will continue to encourage others to believe and to pray. And in doing so, I hope that your thoughts and prayers by the Lord bless heard. Prayers are the collection of the voices of God's people. I will invite you to raise a name or a concern out loud or in your heart this day. And that this time of prayer, we will use this moment as words for food for our collective prayer lives. Together, God's people pray. Gracious and merciful God, this is a rich feast of prayer that we offer up to you. Hear our prayers, O Lord, and tend to them in due season. Amen. Please stand. 
May the peace of God enfold you, the love of God uphold you, the wisdom of God lead you. Amen.